Well, hey, good morning, Overlake. Uh, that's kind of an intense bumper, isn't it? Uh, you feel like the ladders are going to start exploding or something. Um, hey, uh, I'm Mike. I'm one of the pastors here on the team. I'd love to invite you to grab your notes out of your handout. Grab a pen so we can follow along. Um, we are, as you notice from the title of the message, there, we're, we're in the middle of a series. It's called The Generosity Ladder. And the recognition is that there are so many ladders to climb. Culture pressures us to climb all kinds of ladders in this world. But there is, uh, so to speak, the ladder less climbed. And that is the generosity ladder. And that's what we want to be talking about. The generosity ladder is the ladder that, that moves us on the ground from the idea of financial stress and frustration and worry and all kinds of you know, materialism, all that stuff. And then we climb the rungs of God's ladder to the top where we have his perspective, the perspective that he owns it all. We're managers of his resources. And that brings us financial peace. So that's what we're going to go after. That's what we're sort of unlocking as we, we take a look at this generosity ladder. And what you need to understand is last week we started with rung number one. And the challenge was that if you've not prioritized God at all, if you've not honored him with your finances at all or offered him any money, that you would step up to that rung number one and that you would give something. That you would maybe take a look at your year as how, you know, you steward your resources and you'd say, hey, I'm going to give X amount to God over the next year. And, and that was between you and God, whether that's 500 bucks or a thousand bucks over the course of a year, whatever it is. In fact, at Overlick, what we want to do is simply be a resource to you to succeed in this area. And so if you want to write this number down, we've actually got a, a number that you can text and you can tell us, hey, I want to commit this amount over the next 12 months. So if you want to say $25 a month or $50 a month, $100 a month, you go ahead and text that in. You can put whatever amount that you want and we'll take care of, of making that online uh, reality happen. I know uh, oftentimes, you know, we have good intentions, but we don't follow through. This is as easy as just texting in that amount. But what I want you to notice is wherever it is that you feel God calling you to start, that this idea of beginning generosity, going to rung number one, it really is what I would identify as a baby step. It helps us to begin the process. It helps us to enter into the, the, the climbing, the generosity ladder kind of a thing. But it's just the beginning, right? It's just beginning the conversation. And in order for us to actually have this conversation as adults, we need to start from the right perspective. So if you're filling in the blanks, the first one is we want to begin in a position of gratitude, Gratitude that we simply recognize God has provided for us, God has blessed us. In fact, we read John 3:16, the most popular verse in all of Scripture, and it says, "For God so loved the world that He gave." That he gave, that giving is God's posture to you. Giving is his posture to me. And so you think about maybe making a list of all the things that God has given you. He's given you your life. He's given you family or friends. He's given you health. He's given you joy or peace. If you have a full stomach right now, that's God's provision over you. The clothes that you're wearing, the transportation that brought you here today, the computer or the smartphone that 
you have as a tool for your life or your livelihood. Um, Some sort of shelter that you slept in last night. Some sort of bedding that you had that you wrapped around yourself to stay warm. I mean, if you start going after all of the things that God has provided for you materially, you're going to make a really big list. But that doesn't even include forgiveness. It doesn't even include his invitation of, of salvation to you. It doesn't include his grace in this life and for the next one. See, there has never been a more generous position than the position that God Almighty, the God of the universe, has decided to take toward you. And so it really is, I just want to ask you, when was the last time you just hit your knees in gratitude before the Lord? You know, we got a holiday coming up, right? Thursday, I, I believe. And uh, the, the holiday, right, you know this holiday as well. You know what it's called. Even it's called eat till you puke, right? Isn't that what it's called? No, it's called Thanksgiving. And so I just want you to recognize that this is an appropriate time for us to just be flat out, face down thankful for all that God has done for us. Look what the psalmist says, Psalm 116, 12 and following. The psalmist says, what can I offer to the Lord for all he's done for me? Circle the word all. For all that he's done for me, I'll lift up the cup of salvation and praise the Lord's name for saving me. I will keep my promises to the Lord in the presence of all his people. How good is it to keep promises? It's great, right? We've talked about this before. Notice in that passage, why is it that the psalmist is going to keep his promises? It's because of all the goodness of God. On his life. It's because of God's grace, God's faithfulness. It's because of all that God has done for him, for his salvation. So we must start with gratitude. This needs to be the beginning posture of this conversation of generosity. But, it, but you'll see, we can't simply stay there. Now, we've got a video that we want to show you. It's from a pastor, Pastor Francis Chan. And he talks about the requirement for us to begin by going after biblical truth, this, this idea of where we start from. But he talks about where we need to go to as well. So watch this video. You know, something I've seen with the younger pastors lately and, and that I absolutely love is you guys are teaching way better than we did. Um, when we started and I don't know if that's just because you got a hold of every single podcast in the world and you can just watch guys all week long and um, or whatever else or there's just there's just more of an opportunity to get some of this uh, theological training online just more accessible to people nowadays and so I'm thrilled about that seems like there's a and just a a lot of guys coming up that are knowing the Word of God and loving the Word of God and standing firm on the Word of God one of the concerns I see, though, is while sermons seem, in my estimation, for the most part, they're, they're getting better and more biblical, uh, the actions don't always follow with the people. And, and we're not even pushing them towards that, or even in the, in the messenger themselves. And, and, I don't, and that's what I, I want to be careful of, because part of me goes, okay, is that worse? Because one thing, if you give an unbiblical message and there's an unbiblical lifestyle, but now it's like, wow, we're giving some really biblical messages and still an unbiblical lifestyle. And it's almost like, wow, we're going to be judged for this truth that we've been told. And so I would just really encourage you first look to, to your own life and go, okay, 
Man, I'm teaching it, but I've got to watch my life and my doctrine closely. Does this, this theological truth that I'm teaching really play itself out? Is there an integrity in my life because of what I'm teaching, what I'm learning? Because I'm seeing more and more people, amening even, very difficult messages, but that doesn't mean that they're doing anything about it. So it could be that we're getting even more deceived because now we're feeling the sense of, oh, man, I listened to the hardest message ever preached. Okay, great, but what'd you do about it? Well, I came back the next week and listened to another one. And we just don't want to get in that, in that, that, uh, that mode because it's, that's dangerous. Um, every time we hear the Word of God, when we're convicted, it, we need to be moved to action and to be doers. So I would encourage that for you. Encourage that to your people. Okay, so that's the challenge, right? Is that we would not just begin and kind of sit in the gratitude or sit in the blessing, but that we would actually be motivated to do something, not just hearers of the word of God, but doers of it as well. So if you're filling in the blanks, the next one is we want to move to a position of change. Want to move to a position of change. And I'll start with a story illustrating this point. Um, I began ministry a couple of decades ago, actually. I began in youth ministry. And so we would, this was down in Southern California, and we'd have these youth events, we'd have these rallies or these late night concerts or whatever. And then after the youth event, this happened often, we would just load up a bunch of students in the adult leaders' cars. We'd all go to Denny's for like a late night meal or dessert. Denny's open 24 hours a day, and so we would crash in there. You've got to imagine the scene. 50 youth, we got leaders, I'm there. Um, we would come in, and they would always sit us in a back room. This would always crack me up. You, you know, it's, it's past midnight, and you've got, you know, drug addict section right here. You've got the vampires over here. But the youth group has to sit in back. Uh, we were that scary, apparently. And, and so we would go to the back and everyone would order and, and everyone get their food or whatever. And then the bill would come. Everyone would put in what they thought was their portion. I would do kind of the tally up or whatever. And, it, and we would be $77 short on a $92 bill. Now, the first time that happened, I just covered the, you know, the difference, and I thought, oh, I'll just do it. It's my job as a leader, and they're cute. They don't understand how money works, you know. But the second time it happened, I thought they were punks. And the third time it happened, I almost lost my salvation. And we had a come-to-Jesus conversation. And you might judge me right now, and you say, Mike, it took you three times to have that conversation. I've always been a little slow. And, uh, but you would argue, you would say, well, Mike, that's ridiculous because number one, it's your job as a leader to teach them the truth. Number two, teaching responsibility is the best thing that you could ever impart to your ministry. Number three, it is absolutely wrong to allow students to continue in your responsibility. And you're right. So now let's talk about tithing. Okay. Let's talk about how that applies to where we are today. And this is rung number two in the generosity ladder. You can see on your outline the definition of rung number two. We're calling it obedience level giving. And this is when you return the full tithe to God. You return to God the full 10% of the income that he has allowed you to make. Now, just for kind of a worksheet kind of an opportunity, you'll see on the screen that there is a little formula that I want you to think through. Think about your yearly income, 
household yearly income, and then you decide 10% of that yearly income is a yearly tithe to God. It might be a little bit difficult to think in terms of a year, so break it down by month. Think about your monthly household income, and then you will see 10% of that is your monthly tithe to God. Now, the first thing I want you to notice is the incredible difference it is between 10% of the income that God has brought you and what we started talking about at rung number one, which would be $50 a month or $100 a month. There's a big difference between those two things, right? And that's why rung one is only the first rung. We begin to climb the generosity ladder, but we move beyond it to obedience level giving. Okay. Now... I begin this conversation and some of you, and you know who you are, you're already giving at a a level of 10% of your income. And I want to thank you and honor you. I bless you for that. I'm with you in that journey. But so many others of you aren't even close, not even close. The, The average in America is that Christians give 2.3% of their income to God. 2.3%. I just found out that, that the, in the worst year of the Great Depression, Christians gave more generously to God than we give on average in America today. The Christians, the, the, the people who are going to church, those who are following Jesus Christ, gave more in the worst year of the Great Depression than we're given right now. And I hear that statistic and I go, wow, uh, yeah, man, that is, that's fascinating, but it's fatal, is it not? I mean, that's like watching a train wreck from the dining car. You know, it's, it's amazing to watch, but there's nothing good that's coming from it. Last week over Lake, we, we started this series on generosity and, and just talked about, hey, here's the deal. We just need to begin with the posture of generosity to God. And last week, we had the worst giving week we've had all year long. Wow. Again, fascinating, but fatal, right? See, as, as, a, as your pastor and as a coach and as a friend, I don't exactly know what to do with all this. I mean, obviously, I'm in this with you, but, but you need to understand that the giving isn't between you and Pastor Mike, and it's not even between you and Overlake. No, your giving is between you and God, and that's what concerns me. That's where the real challenge is. Because every month, what you do with your money is a way that you tell God how much you value him. God knows you, and he knows how you're stewarding your finances. So he knows that Verizon gets your money every month. And he knows that Exxon gets your money every month. And that DirecTV gets your money every month. He knows that Starbucks gets your money every month. But the kingdom of God isn't getting your money because the kingdom of God is not a priority. We talked last week about where your treasure is, there your heart will be. And if your treasure isn't in the kingdom of God at all, your heart's not there, friends. It's not a priority. 
So let's take a look at some of the reasons then why we want to go after this obedience level giving, returning the full tithe to God. Number one, because God commands it. Because it's just a simple, flat-out obedience issue. God tells us to give 10%. We give 10% out of obedience to him. And so we see in Leviticus 27.30, a tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It's holy to the Lord. In other words, it's his. He's claiming it. First 10% is God's. 27.32 says, every tithe of the herd and flock, every tenth animal that passes under the shepherd's rod will be holy to the Lord. And if you took, take those two verses together, you realize it was an agrarian society, but they're talking about all of the ways that income is generated. So whether you're a farmer or whether you run cattle or livestock, you need to understand that the first 10% of income, the scripture says, it's God's. And if you read through numbers, you see what they're to do with it. They're to bring the first 10% to the Levites, to the priests in the tabernacle so that the Levites can continue the ministry before the Lord and for the people. So what that equates then into today, and I fearlessly teach this and have consistently, is that where you worship, the church where you're fed, the, the local ecclesia of God that you are a community member of, a family member of, that's where you bring your 10%. That's where you bring your tithe, and that is your obedience level giving to God. Now, the scripture also says, look at Proverbs 3, 9. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Now, the difference here between first fruits and what it says, the tithe of everything, is that it's actually to be the first 10%. So, so the first 10% of your harvest, the first 10% of you know, your income, that is to be set aside and designated to the Lord. Okay, that's the portion that is his. It's holy to him. Now, a question comes up all the time. Did Jesus ever talk about tithing? Did he ever mention it? Did he ever affirm it? He did. I put that on your notes as well. Matthew 23, 23. Jesus is talking to the Pharisees, the teachers of the law. They knew all about tithing. Here's what Jesus said. You should tithe. Yes. But do not neglect the more important things. Okay, so you need to understand that as a part of Overlake Christian Church, we want to love God, love people, serve the world. And so that's why, uh, both locally and internationally, we are, we're coming against human trafficking. We're setting slaves free, right? That's why we're coming alongside orphans and providing orphan care. This is local and international. Or we're battling HIV AIDS, ministering to those afflicted with that disease. Or planting churches literally by the thousands Okay, because we want to take, not only, right, do we want to care for the needs of our local body, but, but as the scripture says, we want to be involved in the more important things. Tithing is a base level obedience. We want to start there and then go to justice and go to mercy and go to spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ around the world. Okay. And I want you to know, just as Francis Chan challenged us, that, that you have a pastor who is in this with you, friends. I'm not, I don't want to teach you something or challenge you to something that I'm not a part of. See, when Jody and I got married, this was 15 years ago. I was working as a youth pastor in a very small church. I was making 12 grand a year. When they found out I was going to get married to Jody, they gave me a raise. I got a raise. I got a bump to 18 grand a year. 
I was like, sweet, I can buy Starbucks now. I'm going to be rolling in grounds. You know, I was like high on the hog. And so I remember getting, we got married and we started figuring out our finances. And Jody and I just made a decision. Hey, no matter what, we're going to begin with the first 10% going to God. So every church that we've ever been in, the first 10%, it just goes right back to God. Then we also wanted to be generous on top of that. We wanted to be available to care for compassion kids or if our neighbors had a need or it, like right now, Overlake's running a vision campaign. We could participate in campaigns, all this stuff. So we made a commitment at 18 grand a year that we would be faithful in this. And we have been ever since. And do you know God has provided for us every step of the way? That we have never been in need, that there's never been a time when God has not met us and carried us through a season. That's, that's what God does. When you give him his portion, when you return the full tithe to God, God meets you in that equation. And you could write me off and you could say, well, Mike, that's just you. You're a pastor. No, it wasn't me. It was Jody, right? She's the one who made me do it. Yeah, she said, this is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to prioritize God with our finances. And Mike, you've got to teach your youth group to pay for their own Denny's. So it takes both of us, right? The husband and wife, a whole household coming together and speaking the same language. And I will tell you this, tithing is a lot like learning a language. If, you are, if you're an English speaker as your first language, you probably can't remember when you learned English. You probably can't remember how you learned English. All you know is that is the mindset that you enter the world with. Tithing is the same way. You learn how to tithe early on. You continue to tithe. It's going to be the framework through which you process your faith in your life. But if you're an adult and you've never tithed, it's going to be hard to learn, just like learning a new language is hard. But you can do it, and God will meet you in it. Okay, the next fill-in, rung number two, obedience level giving, return the full time to God because we don't want to rob God. We don't want to rob him. Now, the scripture says in Malachi 3, verse 8 through 10, it says, will a mere mortal rob God? This is God speaking. Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings. You're under a curse. This is what God said. You're under a curse, your whole nation, because you're robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Don't you just love being robbed? I mean, isn't that just a hoot, right? Raise your hand if you've ever been ripped off, your car's ever been broken into, your radio's stolen, your house broken into. Raise your hand if your ID's ever been, been ripped off, credit card. Just raise your hands. How many of you have ever been robbed? Isn't that the best? Don't you just, just feel all warm and fuzzy when you discover, come home from vacation, you realize the house is broken into, all the electronics are gone? It just makes you feel good. How about this? How about if you find out that the person who ripped you off was your buddy. Was the guy who spoke well of you. He told jokes with you. He hangs out with you. He tells you he loves you. Isn't that nice? You're like, wait a sec. I thought you were my friend. And yet you're robbing me. How do those things go together? 
You see, Jesus has a word. He actually talks about it a lot. It's, the word is hypocrites. And when he's quoting the Old Testament, he's quoting Isaiah, he's saying, these people, these hypocrites, right? They, they worship me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. I'll never forget a story a pastor friend of mine told. He said, one day in, in a worship set in church, in the middle of church, our drummer was so caught up in the emotion of worship that he stopped drumming and he stood up and he raised his hands to the sky. His eyes were closed and he just sang out the praise with all of his might. He said it was so beautiful. Everybody there was convinced that guy loved Jesus. And then a few hours later, the drummer broke back into the church, stole all their sound gear, thousands and thousands of dollars worth of equipment. Yeah, and you know, you hear that story, friends, and so many of us, it's easy for us to be self-righteous and judgmental. How dare he steal from God like that? But if you're not tithing, Scripture says you're that drummer. You're ripping God off. Most of you, you don't care, right? You think to yourself, ah, God's bigger than that. He, he, God doesn't mind if I rob him. Well, do you mind when you get robbed? You say, ah, you know what, God, he's, there's grace, right? God can't, can't care too much. Well, he says it in his word. This is how I view it. You're stealing from me, and it matters because you're under a curse because of your theft. And you would say, well, how does that curse work itself out in my life? Friends, we're the ones who struggle to make ends meet. We're the ones who never have peace financially. We're the ones who always want more than we have. We're the ones who consistently spend more than we have and sink deeper and deeper into debt. We are the ones, are we not, living under the curse because we haven't offered God his portion. We've not returned the full tithe to God. So I say all this and understand that this is the bad news of this passage but there is good news. And I want you to fill in the next blank as well. The next blank is that we return the full tithe to God because we desire God's blessing. We want his blessing in our lives. And so that verse in Malachi, Malachi 3.10, the whole verse 10 says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will be, uh, not be enough room to store it. Right? Test me. This is the only time in Scripture where God invites us to test him. Hey, put me to the test, he says. You offer me my portion and you see if I don't bless you, I'll throw open the floodgates of heaven and bless you. In tangible and intangible ways. Now, after the first service, uh, uh, there were a, a couple, it's an elderly couple sitting here in the front, and they were in tears. And so I went down, I just wanted to talk to them, see what was going on, and they said, Mike, we can't begin to tell you how much God has blessed us because we put Him first in our lives. So we can't even begin. And then he started, the gentleman started telling me a story and, and then he got choked up about halfway through it because he was so overcome with God's blessing over him. 
providentially because he puts God first in his finances. There are story after story after story. I, I want to tell you this. It isn't a, a common sense. Like it, it doesn't make sense to me. It is a miracle. It's supernatural. That 90% of your income blessed is more valuable than 100% of your income cursed. It will go farther and it will provide more and there will be more blessing in it. Again, tangibly and intangibly. And so I want to encourage you. Again, Proverbs 3, 9 and 10 comes with a blessing. We honor the Lord with our wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then it says your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. So we give to God the first portion and then there is no doubt that blessings flow into our lives. And I realize I'm your pastor, and so, of course, all this is, uh, you know, it's routine for a pastor to cover these things. So I want you to hear from a friend of mine. James, why don't you come on up and share. James is on our elder team, and James has walked a very similar journey, but I want you to hear from him how he has sort of entered into this journey. Would you please welcome James as he comes to share with us? Thanks, buddy. So James, just, would you just share briefly how, uh, or rather, when is it that you and your wife decided to enter in to rung number two in this obedience level giving? So my wife and I both uh, grew up um, Christians very, very early, and uh, we had given uh, money to the church off and on throughout our, our marriage. Uh, but about 10 years ago, we decided that we were uh, going to just commit to it and, and tithe uh, on a regular basis. How is it that you and your wife came to have that conversation? You've been Christian for a long time, but yet you decided to tithe. What was going on behind that? So uh, we, we knew it was the right thing to do. Uh, and uh, probably was after a message from some pastor uh, talking about tithing. Uh, and uh, I remember that, you know, we weren't flush with cash at the time. Uh, but uh, it was one of those where, you know, on again, off again, we were maybe not going to give that month. We just said, you know, no, we're just going to commit to tithing. We're just going to do it no matter what. Okay. And just for our sakes, how has God met you in the last 10 years? How, how have you felt his presence as you've walked that road? Uh, it has been unequivocal. Um, we have never gone without, uh, and there have been some pretty lean times when that would have been easy. Uh, and we've just tithed uh, throughout. I mean, uh, when uh, I didn't have work, um, you know, when we cracked open the 401k, we tithed on that. When, you know, a little project came through here or there, we, we tithed on that, um, there's a, um, there's a saying uh, in the church says, too busy not to pray. Uh, I think that uh, our finances, our money is too tight not to tithe. Wow. Yeah. Hey, can we thank James for sharing? Thank you, bro. Appreciate you, man. Yeah, that... I know as I talk about money, I mean, I know where we are in the economy. I know the crazy volatility of the stock market. I, I recognize sort of where we are as I start talking about money. And some of you are like, Mike, I, I, I wish I could, but I just can't. There's no money there. You're like, Mike, it's just weird. I'm having this out of money experience right now. And, you know, uh, but here's the deal. I, what James just said is absolutely true. Um, the idea of waiting until, the idea of putting it off. No, you can't afford not to give to God what's his. You can't put this part off. And so I really do want to encourage you by pointing to ancient Israel. You know, ancient Israel went through some abundant years, but they also went through many, many lean seasons. 
And in fact, even to the point where they were slaves in distant lands. And as they returned from that dispersion, they came back to Israel. They came back to Jerusalem. They were penniless. They were, they were in poverty. And so the scripture I put on, the, uh, on your notes here is Psalm 126 was a song that they would sing. As they entered into the temple in Jerusalem again, they would say, Restore our fortunes, Lord, as streams renew the desert. Restore our fortunes. They knew they had had, they knew they'd owned property, they knew they, they had owned estates, and they had a lush, fertile life before their slavery. But after they returned, they did not have those fortunes, and so they prayed and they sang these songs, Restore our fortunes, Lord. What's interesting, and you need to see this, is even as they prayed that prayer and sang that song, they were bringing their tithes and their offerings to the Lord. They were presenting their gifts to the Lord in his temple. Again, the idea is we want to be faithful. We want to receive the blessing of the Lord. And the last feeling here is we want to return the full tithe to God because God is first in our lives. Because he's first. In Matthew 6.33, Jesus is telling us, seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first his righteousness and then everything else will be added to you. And so we want to tithe because we want to put God first. We want to make God first. We don't want to just sing it. We don't just want to say it. We want to make him first by placing him first in our finances as well. See, when it comes to the issue of finances, God is really clear. This is how you do it. Right? Look at Deuteronomy 14.23. The purpose of tithing is to teach you always to put God first in your lives. Right? That's the purpose. The purpose is to always put God first in your life. And so we tithe because we want God first. Now, some of you, I know you're going to need to do business with God today. You're going to have to wrestle with him because you're kind of like that drummer. You're saying you love God. You're praying you love God. You're raising your hand and singing that you love God, but he's not first in your finances. You're ripping him off. You got to wrestle with him. God, I don't want to be like that. I want to say you're first because you are first. And where you're not first, I want to make you first. And so make that change, right? Understand that as you do, you're throwing the door open to God's blessing over your life. And so the challenge is that you would step up from rung number one to rung number two. Just like James did 10 years ago. He said, instead of occasionally giving, I want to regularly give. Making God a priority. Returning the full tithe to God. You take a look at your year, you take a look at your month or your week, however your income comes, and you set aside the first 10% back to him. Now, I want to tell you, I don't care if you do this by check and you come and you personally put it in the offering plate. I don't care if you do this uh, online. Uh, If you're not a part of Overlake, you know, wherever you are a part, wherever your church is, I just want to challenge you to do this today. That you would make this change today. That you would not put it off any longer. That you would not procrastinate even another day. But that you would make this a reality in your life. Wrestle with God and make it a reality. Because I know you're thinking, oh, I got to wait until. Or the circumstances are going to get better when. or No, no, today. You can't afford not to. Now, the other night, my wife Jody and I... We were at a fundraiser, and the fundraiser, it was fine. 
It really was. It was great. The food was good. There was a meal. There was entertainment. There was a band. There was a vocalist that came. All top-notch. The speaker was challenging and fairly concise. And, you know, there were images on the screen that, that went with the whole thing. And the, the whole, it, was, it, was, it was a really fine production about you give us your money and here's what we're going to do with it. This is what you're buying with your gift. I hope you realize that today is almost the exact opposite of that kind of experience. You need to give. You need to tithe. It's not between you and Overlake. It's not between you and Mike. This is between you and God. God commands it. And so if you don't do it, you're breaking his commandment. It's sin. God says how he feels about it. He says, it's like you're robbing me day after day after day. And not only that, there's a blessing associated with obeying the command. God didn't have to do it that way. There didn't have to be a blessing with doing what God says. You just do what God says because he's God. But instead he offers a blessing. And you do it because God is first in your life. Because you want to make him first in your life. And it all centers around the person of Jesus. Jesus is the hero of the story. It's Jesus who's generous to us. It's Jesus who's gracious to us. You know, we say, if you're a Christian, you say, Jesus is the one we follow. And then you look at Jesus. He's the one who gave. And he's the one who gave so much that it was the ultimate sacrifice. And you have to recognize that if we're going to say we follow Jesus, there's going to be giving and there's going to be sacrifice associated with that. Look what the scripture says. 2 Corinthians 8, 9, you know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that by his poverty he could make you rich. Friends, it's all about Jesus. Jesus is the one who's amazing. Jesus is the one who's loving. Jesus is the one who's gracious. Jesus is the one whose invitation is on the table right now. That you would receive him as Lord and Savior. That you would have all of the blessing, all the provision, all his presence, all of his joy available to you now and forever. And because Jesus has given, we want to offer back to him what's his. Now here's the deal. If Jesus hasn't done anything for you, if Jesus hasn't done squat for you, don't give. But if he has, and you're claiming him as Lord, you're claiming him as Savior, you're relying on his grace every day, then let's stop pretending to worship him. And let's actually put him first. Let's actually put him first, and let's return the full time. All right, here's the deal. Last thing I'm going to say. I would hate for anyone to think that you would give in order to receive Jesus' love. Now, my passionate plea is you've already received it. He's already died on the cross for you. He's already given everything he can give for you. He's already inviting you to be with him for eternity. No, no, you don't give to earn his love. You give in response to it. So why don't we pray together? And Lord, we do confess that this is a hard, hard topic for us to wrestle through. We confess that there are so many examples of 
misuse and manipulation and our hearts, just immediately we sense an attack around this issue of finance. And so right now, Jesus, we just pray against that in your name. We ask that you would make your scripture clear to us, that you would make your will for our lives clear, that you would make our hearts fearless, that we would follow your lead, that we would obey your commands, that you would allow us to live in courage and confidence, knowing that we live in the full blessing you have for us because we placed you first in our lives. We don't want to pretend. We don't want to sit still. We want to respond to the word. We want to respond to your call for us. And so we ask that you would do whatever business you need to do with our hearts right now. We invite you, Spirit, to come. We invite you to own us, all of us, including how we steward our finances. And we pray, Lord Jesus, that you would allow us to experience the full blessing of your presence, your grace, and your joy in our lives. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.